Hi everyone, this is Chelsea Lee Trescott, breakup coach and podcast host of Thank You Heartbreak, and this is episode 64. This is day four, question four of February's challenge. Just when I thought I was in the clear with yesterday's question, the one that left me in tears, the one that I feel like was really the most revealing, vulnerable episode that I've done for multiple reasons, of course, I cried, and I didn't edit the episode, so I've kind of just let some of that go for right now, just so there's a quick turnaround, but also just practicing acceptance. So allowing the breaths to be there, allowing the ums to be there, allowing those things to just be there and to get on with the show. So in a sense, it was vulnerable in that way. But you know, I broke down during it and I thought that was it. I thought today was a new day with a different sort of question. But of course, I fooled myself, and this is my own doing. I created these questions. I created this workbook. But what you should know is that I don't look ahead on the questions. So I have forgotten the order that they're in. And it's kind of good this way. One, I can't premeditate, is that the word, my thoughts, my reflections. I mean, this is really me freeballing, freestyling. These are musings. This is like a brain dump, as they say. A lot of people encourage brain dumps onto the page, especially early in the morning, late at night. I have never been into them. It's kind of like those classes in college where they'd want you to just start with one sentence and just go. I oh, I never wanted to do that. You know, the one, don't lift up your pen from the page, just keep writing. It's kind of what's happening now as I'm talking. And I never wanted to do those exercises. And yet here I am and somehow... I feel like this is a good challenge for me because it helps me just with acceptance, allowance for whoever I am, however I am in the moment, just letting it be. Another good thing about not knowing the questions in advance, so not knowing tomorrow's question now, is that I get to see from my standpoint as a coach, do these questions work well together, back to back? Should any of them be taken out? What are they really doing for each other being placed in this order? Now, of course, there was logic going into it when I did it, and I really thought through it, but it's been a while since I created this workbook, so it's good to revisit it. Now, with that said, day four is not a question I want to revisit because I feel like I'm revisiting yesterday, and it's asking me to push further, to push deeper, to ask or say more. I'm going to get into the question, and then I'm going to tell you why this question actually reflects a lot of my reality today. Shall we get into it? Let's go. Today's date, February 4th, 2019. Today I want to feel non-reactive. I think that's been a secret power of mine recently, an unexpected power positioning that I don't really know myself for. I really used to be someone in relationships that had to get the last word in, that really, really, really wanted to get my point across and to be heard, to be understood, to make sure that someone was all right, to use my words not only to validate myself, but to make sure that they were not threatened by something or that they were nurtured or taken care of, I suppose. Also, though, when I really think about it, it's trying to have control over someone's understanding, vision, their feelings of you right now. So what has happened to me lately is that I've let that go. I've, I've given that up more. 
I have not been reacting. And I really feel like to react would be to break. At this point, if I were to act out on anything that I feel, anything that I feel like is being done to me, um, I feel like that would be caving. And I got to tell you, as tired as I can feel by these emotions, I know I'm strong enough not to be reactive, not to show that threat that I might feel, really not to be threatened. So I will read the question and then I will tell you what happened today. Day four. Imagine you've sat down with your ex and you've heard what you expected to hear and you told him or her what you went there to say. You're by yourself now and you're on your way home. You're replaying everything that just happened. The thing is, you don't feel entirely relieved. What else were you hoping he or she would tell you? If you could turn around and go back right now, if you were there looking at him or her in his or her eyes with resilience and courage and a stunning degree of compassion, clarity, and candor, what else would you ask your ex? What more would you say? Write it all out. Then say it to yourself. Even if only in a whisper, read your words aloud. Listen to yourself acknowledge the full truth. And yes, you're allowed to feel proud of the love it takes to listen to yourself really, to hear yourself in all your disappointment and dreaminess. Wow, that final line right there, all your disappointment and dreaminess, is this not what I kind of got to in yesterday's episode? That when I talk about things that have broken my heart, that what I read from actually the author, I went out and bought his book today. I would love to have him on the podcast I might be butchering his name, Laudro Rinsler. The book is Love Hurts, Buddhist Advice for the Heartbroken. He met with all these people that had gone through different heartbreak, and he thought it was all going to be dating related, and it had a much larger scope. And he met with them at ABC Carpet in New York. He lives in New York. And so his book, I've only read a few pages, and it's so enlightening, and I had to go and get it today. And then another book stuck out to me, like called for me, and it is Spiritual Guidance for Dealing with Difficult People. Thank you for being such a pain by Mark Rosen. So I got that one too. So I'm all about the continuing education right now. But something that Laudro, sorry if I'm not saying that name right, said and I brought up yesterday was that what's really the heartbreak is not the love. It's the ego. It's your ego. It's feeling disappointed because you had another dream for what should be happening. You had another dreamy outcome. So I think it is brave and I think it is loving. It shows self-care, self-allowance, self-respect, self-honoring, self-reveal to really hear yourself in all your disappointment and dreaminess. Where do I begin with this? I'll tell you that last night after I did that episode and after I cried and you know, things came up. I wasn't expecting that. And it happened. It is literally what obviously is at the very, the tip of my tongue is just right there under the surface is an immense and intense um, tearfulness around being thankful 
but it's just feeling this respect for the relationship. Really, that is what I was feeling. And so afterwards, I felt really at peace. I felt like, wow, that day, that question worked. Like, okay, that got something out of me and there was a pivot and it energized me. And afterwards, I had to get on the phone. It was about 1130 at night to do an interview for my podcast And the podcast episode was incredible. We were totally in sync. It was so easy. It was perfect. And I attribute that, I really think, to coming into the sense of clarity around something that can hurt and feeling appreciative of it. I mean, it really allowed me just to be present as I was talking to someone else, to be all in because I felt lighter, because I felt thankful that she was even talking to me, that she was taking time out for this. So I told her what the question was that I had just answered, and I wanted to know what her answer would be. And she said, listen, if you had asked me a year ago, I would have said that I wanted to say something to my ex. I wanted an explanation. Why? Why do this to me? Why me? This is so unfair. Interestingly enough, me too. That's what I spoke about yesterday when I first answered the question months ago was that, yeah, I think I wanted to ask something. I wanted to hear more because I wanted an explanation. This was a point of right and wrong of, as my guest said, good and evil, that it's very clear in your mind how it should have gone, how it should be. And it's really black and white thinking. But then she said, now, from the place I'm at now, all I would say is thank you. It doesn't matter what happened anymore. It doesn't matter why it happened because look what has happened. Look what I'm doing. Look what I've done with it. And this goes back to a saying that we hear that it's not why did this happen to me, but why did this happen for me? So when you sit down across from your ex, or you think about sitting down across from your ex, if there are questions that you have, it is likely that it's coming from a place of you feeling like, why did this happen to me? You feel a victim of something. You feel robbed. You feel attacked. You feel threatened. You feel taken advantage of, overlooked. Why did this happen to me? Why did you do this to me? Now, when we come from a place of what we would say, especially if those words are thank you, it's coming from the reverse side. What I said yesterday was what I feel is like the right side of the coin. And that is, this is why it happened for me. It's coming in and feeling like it doesn't matter why you did this to me anymore why you may have done this to me. All that matters is for me to realize and for you to know, thank you, because you did this for me. So I want to encourage you to think about what could you do for yourself with this that would give you a sense of pride, that would make you feel like, wow, this was well worth it. I say that if we can understand the tears and make something from them, That's why I say avoidance isn't good. Stuffing it down isn't good because we haven't done anything with it. 
So we resent and we're bitter about it happening. It's been useless really to us other than it just hurt us and it let us down. But if we could make something out of the tears, then they will have always been worthwhile because we produced something out of it. Instead of thinking this relationship was a failure, it was just lost on me, it's dead. How can you revive it? How can you take something from it and grow it? When you grow something out of it, when you take it one step further, when you take the love in a different direction, when you make something more of the heartbreak that fills your heart, that is when you can say, thank you for doing what you did. Thank you for letting it go this way. Thank you. So I finished the interview around 12.40 last night and per usual, what I do every day is I look at my memories on Facebook. I've had years of memories. It's really my journal. I love seeing the quotes I was putting up, the writing that really became many articles that are published all over were Facebook posts of mine. Of course, there's photographs and there's X's popping up all over the place. Over Christmas break, I realized that this was the first Christmas in 13 years that I'd been single. And I realized that in thanks to Facebook memories that showed me that the only year I was not with an ex and a boyfriend at the time was this year. So I look at the memory and I see that a memory is from my ex that he tagged me in. And it was a post about our first meeting, coming to New York and meeting me for the first time and being so thankful. And the experience of being in love, being really in that love that he had felt for me and seeing how I felt about it, the reciprocal nature of it. And he thanked me for being courageous enough to answer the message he had sent me, the letter, and then for taking a chance on a guy like him and asking him a very simple question. That question, by the way, was, where do you even live? That sparked a wild fire of love. And it said, I love you the most. It was a beautiful post. And he thanked our friends for being cheerleaders. He thanked the Stephen Colbert show for putting us on national TV. I mean, it was a a post of thankfulness. And then I saw that another memory was me posting a photograph of him and I and saying, today I woke up thankful for this, thankful for you, thankful for us. And I was like, oh my God, how strange, you know, here I just did this episode where for the first time, really, I really addressed what I was thankful for. And my memory right after on Facebook are all these posts at the moment when I was in that love and expressing thankfulness. So I'm feeling like timing is wild. Wow, this is right aligned. This is all aligned. I go to sleep. I wake up this morning. I look at my phone. I look at my memories, which, you know, maybe I should challenge myself and why I did that. And I see that lo and behold, he has deleted the memory of all the things he wrote. And he has also untagged himself in my picture. Now, we're the only ones that are seeing these memories. So it feels like cruel and unusual punishment. It seems like a slight. It seems like a direct hit. I mean, again, we're the only ones that see this. 
it almost feels like it's something being communicated to me. I say this because my past would tell me that when this happened before, I was in this place where I reached out to him and I inquired because I felt that that cord was still between us. It's kind of amazing when I think that I just said something to him about it. Like, why did you just do that? Why did you just delete all that of me? I was shocked at the time when this had happened because, again, he knew that this was not going to be us, that this is the most hurtful thing that you could do to me, to my nature, to my character. Call me crazy, but yes, I'm sensitive about these things. So back in the day, I reacted. When I saw that I was being deleted, that things like that were being done on social media, I'd hit him up. What's going on here? Why? Why are you having to do this? What's with you? I was reacting. The difference is I am not going to react. That might not be the case. He may very well just be doing things for himself. He might just be looking out for himself. No message toward me. He's looking out for himself. He's going to delete, delete, to delete when he wants to, when he feels something, when he doesn't want to feel something, if he doesn't even feel anything. And that's that. But I couldn't help but sit in my bed this morning and think, oh my God, this is the first thing he did this morning. This is the first thing I'm seeing this morning. And what just happened last night? Remember that episode where I'm crying and talking about how thankful I am? Remember those two posts that I saw from us when we were both in positions of feeling thankful? Could we have not just like let that be that? Why did we have to kind of shit all over that? At first, I was just like, this is just, it's just too much. Like this, I don't want to see this shit anymore. I don't want to be toyed with in this way. Even if it's not intentional, I don't want my emotions toyed with. Again, feeling like I'm in this good place last night with what I've done and what I've addressed and emoted, feeling good about what I saw and then seeing that, it's felt like a hit. And then I just, uh, boring, amused. I think a part when you really know that your ex doesn't have a hold of you anymore is when their words no longer hurt you, but they also don't entertain you either. When their words and actions don't hurt you and they don't entertain you either. I'm not there, but it was something close to that. I felt amused, like, wow. It couldn't be clearer how different we are, how different we're being about things. Very, very different reactions, very, very different places we're at right now. And with that, it makes it so, what good is it really to go in with day four and the question to go back to my ex and sit down and say, why are you so different than me right now? Why are you so different than you were before? I'll tell you why a lot of people are different. Because you are no longer entitled to their love. That's it. That's why a lot of people will not break up. Because they are not ready to be treated differently. I had a client that said to me that she's still in contact with her ex. And it's hard. Because he has a new girlfriend. And even though he reaches out and he shows some thoughtfulness... He doesn't sound the same. She's not given him. She doesn't have him. He doesn't act the same. And I said, I mean, all you have to think about is, do you want to put yourself through that, in a sense, punishment? 
you have him, but it's not him. And you're looking for him of six months ago. All this communication will not bring that person back. He's not treating you in the same way and that can hurt. So do we really need someone to tell us that? Do we? Do we need to sit down and say, why are you treating me like I'm invisible? Why do you want me to be invisible? I mean, reality is some people that are just kind of in pain and on the surface or want to put it out of sight, out of mind, maybe it's logical. I don't know. We're going to say, you're not mine anymore. I'm not yours. You're not my girlfriend. I'm not your boyfriend. I am moving on. And it just is this weird thing. Like you can see someone's behavior and get to a place where you're just baffled by it. Like you don't even want to entertain it. Do I need to sit down in front of someone and come at them with so much curiosity about traits and behavior that I truly don't respect? Instead, how can I show that stunning degree of compassion and resilience? Is it possible to not need to know more and just have compassion for what is? If I had to push it further than yesterday, sure. I would say, how is it possible to have been so in love with me and have no ability to show me love after, to do actions toward me, that feel hateful? Are you aware of that? What do you feel about the things that you're doing, that they are self-serving, they are protecting you, how that isolates and inflicts pain and sadness on me? Is there any awareness of that? If you're moving on, why not just let this be? Why not just let me be? Why delete so I see that and that hurts me? Why not just let me be? You know, I can come with those questions, but I am in this place like, what for? I mean, it's so beautiful to know why because it gives us insight into another person and I love insight into another person. But at the same time, if you're not jiving with the way that you're being treated, if that's not a way that you are going to treat someone, why is the reason that they're doing it of that much value? You don't like that they're doing it. You don't stand behind them doing it. Why do you need to know why they're doing it if you don't want to emulate it? Part of me feels like with this question, what more would I say? What more would I ask? What would I ask now? I don't know. I think that there's a power in not reacting. How can I draw this line of separation that you will do things your way and that will not change the way that I'm going to do things? This has been a big thing because I've stood behind for myself that I won't ever delete someone and I won't do those things of blocking or, you know, untagging that making someone feel like they're invisible. And there's been moments here where like this morning, I'm just like, oh my God, really like Maybe I just take it upon myself and I just X this guy out for once and for all so he doesn't go have to go back and forth like this anymore. And so I don't have to feel it. But then there becomes like this thing in me where I'm just like, do I want to go that low though? Do I want to be him when I never wanted to be that way? Do I want to react? Do I want to become 
a way that I never was and never felt like I would have to be? Or could I just stomach what's happening and learn to drop it, to learn to just sit with the uneasiness and overcome it once and for all? Because if I go about the blocking, I think I'll start a history of blocking. If I go about the blocking, I'm not sitting with the uneasiness and I have a feeling it will always be there. It could be triggered. I would love to know that I felt very, very uneasy at times. And I really, truly put the time in, the patience in, the stubbornness in to work my way through it. I want to read you guys a little bit from the book, Thank You for Being Such a Pain, Spiritual Guidance for Dealing with Difficult People, which is what I got today. And I think that there is just so much I'm going to be able to read to you guys from and to relay. This book looks incredible, but these are just some random insights that I came into. The chapter is Difficult People Teach Us What Not to Do. When you see a good man, think of emulating him. When you see a bad man, examine your own heart. That's Confucius. And so begins the chapter. The universe may have placed difficult people in our path so that we can experience the same hurt that we have previously inflicted on another. The purpose, to inspire a change of heart. If we take this spiritual logic a step further, we can conceive of another explanation for the presence of difficult people. Perhaps difficult people are in our path, not because we have hurt another in the past, but so that we don't hurt someone in the future. In other words, a difficult person can serve as a sort of early prevention system, someone whose awfulness motivates us to resolve, I'll never do that. Difficult people teach us what not to do. Much of my own philosophy as a teacher came not from a mentor, but from what I hated as a student. Right at the start of my career, I resolved that I would not engage in the sorts of teaching practices that I had found so distasteful in my own schooling. I did the opposite of what had been done to me. Unfortunately, not everyone learns positive things from negative experiences. Some people who are mistreated immediately turn around and mistreat someone else at the first opportunity. This can happen for two reasons. Some people harm others mindlessly, as an unconscious way to injure the one who injured them. These people are unable to make the connection between the pain they experience and the pain they cause to innocent parties. For others, doing to someone else what has been done to them is a deliberate and calculated act. A way, however distorted and ineffective, to understand the mind of the original perpetrator. These patterns are all too common in families, where the mistakes of one generation are passed down and perpetrated by the next. Those who have been abused become abusers. The spiritual imperative for anyone in these circumstances is to break the chain. Difficult people serve as reverse role models. They teach us how not to treat others. I remember coming to this revelation when I was ghosted by someone and it was like that heavy reaction. Like, why would you do this? Like, why would you pretend like you're sick and then just disappear and make me scared for you? All this angst and, and then it hit me and this threat of anger that I had was, wait a second, all this animation, all this animosity, instead of asking why and becoming so obsessed with this person that's not going to be in my future, isn't this just telling me what 
I have no tolerance for, what I will not do for another. By looking at what all these things that have been done to me that I do not respect, that I do not understand, that I cannot stand by, that I can't stomach, that is really just telling you who you are, what you won't allow, but more importantly, what you will, who you will be, what you will be sensitive to. They're standards you have for yourself. So when someone's being difficult, instead of thinking that they deserve the difficulty, instead of sitting down and asking them to make sense of the difficulty for you, why not just pull out of that difficult race altogether and not further it? Instead of mirroring their difficulty, even if they're just doing this because they are in the heat of difficult emotions and have no better way of handling it, is there any way of sitting calmly and coming from your own place of holding true to how you would be if this wasn't happening? Instead of being a certain way because something is happening to you that threatens your sense of self, your ego, your heart, what if you thought, none of this is happening, none of this is going this way, and how would I be then? What if we just showed compassion regardless? What if we just were steady in our own heart? What if we were just non-reactive? What if we just thought all along, this has been done for me? Not to be catty, but if this is who you are at times, and I don't like that, I don't understand it, I'm not that, then thank you for showing me so I didn't have to live and love further into that because maybe it was inevitable. Thank you for showing me our differences because it reminds me how different I want to be, who I am, and what I want to remain, what I want to improve on, what I want to show more of that holds on to people and doesn't hurt them, that doesn't divide us, that doesn't make people feel invisible. How can the actions that trigger me not trigger me? Because what calms me is that I won't do what's being done to me to trigger anyone else, even if what's being done is unfair and I don't understand it, and think for whatever reason they're deserving. Let me not become that person just because I feel threatened and uncomfortable. Thank you so much for being here. Tomorrow, I do have day five, question five, but I also have an interview that you are going to absolutely love. I loved this interview and I can't wait for you to listen to it. So that will be coming out in the morning and then the day five, question five will be coming in at night. Bye everyone. 